my name is Jason, and I have the joy of serving as one of the pastors here at City Light. So it's really good to be here with you this morning. Are we doing well? Yeah. I'm going to set this on here. Amen. Amen. So the last couple weeks, we've been walking through um, a sermon series where we just want to answer the question, how does God change us? And so we looked at that. We've been two weeks into it now. We kind of said, hey, biblically, yes, God transforms. He changes. He takes us from sin and death and makes us a new creation, born again in him. And so changing or transformation, we kind of looked at and we said, hey, that is the expectation of the Christian life. There is a progression of Christ-likeness. So we answered that question. And so the first step we said in that was that God, when he changes or transforms, deconstructs. Or he tills the soil. He might remove sin out of our life. And sometimes maybe things that we like take those out of our life. And so he kind of cleans the space. And we said last week he does that by giving us the gospel or the seed. And so we're, we're now in the third week. And so we have deconstruction begins the transformation process where we say, you know what? I have sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God. And now by the grace of Jesus Christ, by receiving his word, by accepting the gospel, this process of transformation changes. And so the seed is planted, and then there comes this season where the seed is harvested. So there's an expectation of fruit. And so we have this beginning, if you will, and we have this end. And today we're in the middle. Think of it just like a farmer who plants a seed in April or May. He harvests it in September or October, right? And so most of the Christian life is lived in that in-between. So God changes, he transforms, sometimes drastically, sometimes simple, and we're living in that in-between. We're in that season of waiting, of being patient. That's the Christian life, right? And so you guys are like, yes and amen, I love being patient, right? That is the joy in life. Like, give me patience, and so today, what I hope we can see is how when we're in that season of waiting, that's when we grow. When we're being patient, that's when we grow. When you plant a seed, you could say it immediately starts, but that seed doesn't necessarily start to grow. It, it grows, and then towards the end, you harvest it. But that, that plant is growing, right? And so the Christian isn't necessarily experiencing fruits, so to speak, of God's transformation, but we're experiencing growth. And a lot of times as Christians, we like the seed planting and we love the harvesting, but we don't like the middle. And the middle is primarily where we live. And so my hope is that we can recognize how the Spirit is at work in our life, how Jesus is transforming, how he's changing, if most of our life is lived in the middle. You tracking with me? And so if we're, if we're not content there, if we just want the harvest, like you're talking a very minor or tiny part of the Christian life. And so we have this season of this progression where we're moving. Think of it like this. In, in growing, imagine if you were to take your car and you decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to park it. I'm going to put it in a garage and I'm going to come back to it in 30 or 40 years. What would you expect to happen to that car? If you're gone, someone just steals it, right? Like, you're not even, like, you're a realist. Like, it's, it's gone. Like, it ain't going to be there. So, dust, right? Maybe mice get in there, chew up the electrical. You come back in 40 years, it's not going to be in the same condition that it was, right? 
be pretty worthless at that point. Or let's say, hypothetically, you were to say, you know what, I'm done with house maintenance. I just, I'm not going to mow the yard, I'm not going to paint, I'm not cleaning the gutters, the roof, they gave me a 30-year warranty on, so I'm holding on to that. Just imagine if you just said, I'm done being outside. And in 30 years, you went outside. What would you, what would you find, right? Some of you guys are like, yes and amen, like that. That's what I'm talking about. It, it, yeah, it'd be a jungle, it'd be a mess. Gutters plugged, foundations cracked, paint on the side of the house looks terrible, weeds are everywhere, you probably can't open the front door. And so a Christian, if we say we're not going to maintain the Christian life or pursue Jesus, there is this negative impact upon our life. And what I love about the Christian life is we acknowledge sin and brokenness. I think of evolution. If evolution were a truth, what we would expect is things would progressively get better. But when things are left to their self, they progressively get worse. And so if we're not active in pursuing Jesus then we're not going to progressively get better. And so in the waiting, there is both this blend where we actually do some work and the Spirit assists and empowers that. Because we're not going to just be a car that's parked or a house that isn't maintained. We acknowledge that if we just are left to ourselves, like I just decide one day, you know what? The best thing for me is to sit on my recliner. Like that's it. That's all I'm going to do. At some point, I'm going to be unhealthy. My muscles are going to atrophy. That was, that's, a, that's my biggest word for the day, by the way. That's like, you guys say, amen. Like, that's a three-syllable word. <laughs> like, it's not going to be healthy for me. And so there is this maintaining or this aspect of my life where I have to be active and participate. Otherwise, things aren't going to go the way I want them to go. And so in that waiting, we are exerting, but also experiencing the Spirit's grace to grow us. And so my hope is that we allow God to take out of our life what he wants. We accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, experience the Spirit's transformation so that we can harvest the fruits of a life lived for Jesus Christ. Are you guys tracking with me so far? Are we confused? Because if we are, I can start back over. Like, no, nah, I wouldn't start back over. That would be bad. I got the wrong Bible. Good. All right, so I want to read the, uh, Luke chapter 8. I want to walk through this fairly quickly. So Matt did a great job last week, which I actually remember the sermon from last week. <laughs> he, he makes fun of me because there was one time where I publicly said, Matt, I forgot your sermon for last week, like in a sermon, and I've never let it down. So I remember last week's sermon. He did a great job, so we're not going to unpack it completely, but I want, I want it to be fresh on our mind. So I want to read verses 4 through 8 real quick in Luke chapter 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, this is Jesus. So Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, some fell along the path and trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew up and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is teaching about life. He's illustrating for us the Christian life in a way that hopefully we understand. So he's using an agrarian metaphor. 
And hopefully, I, know there, I don't think there's actually any farmers in here, ironically, but we see enough of it around it that we go, oh, that, that makes sense. I get the idea of planting in fertile soil. Iowa has some of the world's most fertile soil, and so it's like you plant something and it grows beautifully, but that's not the case elsewhere. And so Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to put in your heart and mind. The gospel is received by some. And, and I'll even make it so there's different types when they receive it. Some people receive it, and then they lose it. Some people receive it for a season, and then it's poof, it's gone. And some people receive it, and they hold on to it, and it becomes their own. And so his disciples are hearing this for the first time. They're like, I can relate to the disciples. Because they're, they're like, hey, Jesus, say that a, say, can you explain that? Like, say that a second time. It's like when I'm talking to my wife. Like, just please, English, just Tell me what you want. No innuendos. No just hoping that I understand. Just spell it out for me. What gift do you want for your birthday? And I'll go get that something. I know it's not terribly romantic, but I love you. And I would rather you get what you want rather than me buying you a shirt and you return it. I've learned that lesson. Don't do that. So the disciples are like, hey, explain this to us. And so Jesus begins to unpack it. And he says in verse 9, is when his disciples asked him, what this parable meant. You see, I love this. You see Jesus' grace in that? He didn't chastise them. Like, I can't believe you guys don't understand this. He said to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So Jesus is saying the seed that's what Matt unpacked last week. This seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That salvation comes through none other than Jesus Christ. That if we're left to ourselves, we're like that car that deteriorates or the house that, that ends up becoming ruins. We, apart from Jesus Christ, are in sin and death. We are on a trajectory away from God, not towards him. And if we want life, we have to turn to Jesus Christ. So we acknowledge our sin and our brokenness and receive his sacrifice in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the word of God. That's the seed. And so we're saying, yes, we're broken. We need, we need to be repaired. We need to be maintained. We, we realize in all humility that we are not the people we aspire to be. So there's this humility, and so we accept God's grace. And so we say that there is no salvation but in Jesus Christ alone. That is the word of God. The one, verse 12, along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and he takes it away. The word from their heart, so they may not believe and be saved. And when on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. He's given us two types so far. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest heart and bear it with patience. So Jesus has illustrated for us three different types technically four different types of soils. And so I want us to acknowledge or say yes and amen that the word of God is the source of life. And he's trying to illustrate that our hearts, our lives are like that soil. Each of us in here, by God's grace, can be one of those types. My hope is that each of you 
say yes to the, the type that bears fruit. And so if we acknowledge or say yes, or we realize we are in this season of waiting, the first thing I want to remind us is that our transformation, our growth is spirit-empowered. And what I mean by that is you need a savior. If you're a bad husband, you need Jesus. If you're a great wife who is righteous, you need Jesus. If you're an employee who steals, you need Jesus. If you're an employee who finds your identity in your work, you need Jesus. And so we are spirit-empowered. And so it's like the farmer who puts the seed in the soil and hopes and prays that it grows. There might be work where you get the weeds out of the garden. Like, don't, how many of you, anybody in here a gardener by chance? How are the weeds doing this year? They're, they're thriving, huh? Yes, right? And, and so if you plant a garden and you walk away from it, you might have some fruit in there. But, but there's maintenance to be had in a garden. Like I, I knew we were having a kid, and so I was like, I'm not even touching a garden this year because the weeds are just going to take over. Like it, and so there's this work where we acknowledge the Spirit is at work, but then there's this part where we play. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, there's a passage. I want this to be in your heart. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Do you see this? We are being transformed. And so we are passive in the transformation process into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from you, who is the Spirit. And so the farmer did not write the DNA process into the seed. The farmer is dependent upon the sun shining and the rain coming and the seed doing what God has written it to do. But the farmer plays a part in it, right? Yeah. The farmer could not plant the seed... Say, you know what, I, I trust Jesus to provide. But, but you didn't plant anything. Plant something. I mean, let, let's do a better job of trusting a little bit here. Like, let's take some practical action steps. Like, let's do something. And so the farmer plants the seed, and then maybe he tills the soil a little bit in between, pulls the weeds. Or if you're growing sweet corn around here, one thing I've learned is you got to have an electrical fence around the sweet corn. Otherwise, you're just feeding the raccoons. And I, that's when I, I get McGregor. Like, I, like man, I, I understand the insanity when you lose your crop. And so we are growing, and there's a part we're playing, but at some point we say, I cannot do any more, and I am dependent upon Jesus Christ. I'm dependent upon the Spirit to transform me. There's freedom in that. There's grace in that. And so we see here in James an illustration for us that I want us to hold on to, in James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, James writes this. Hey, and we talk about sermons. How many of you guys remember the James series? And you remember this, this sermon from James chapter 5, huh? Anybody else in here? You guys forgot, didn't you? Matt doesn't even remember. Matt forgot my sermon. So there we go. We're even. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers. Until the coming of the Lord. Do you see that word? So we're being patient. We're in that season. The seed's been planted. We are in the growing season. The coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it. 
until it receives the early and late rains, which we're, we're just trusting God. Hey, I, God, we accept Jesus. I, I know that I'm sinful. I know I have a lustful heart. I know that I have a, I have a heart of idolatry. I have passions that I know you don't. And so, God, could you change me? Would you transform me? I'm dependent upon those early and late rains to foster and grow the work that the Spirit is doing. And so James continues in verse 8. He says, You also be patient and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so in the waiting... In the work, when you're not harvesting any fruit, when it's all just hopeful expectation, you are exerting. Do we understand? Like, so, like you, you want an investment. Jesus, give me a return on what I'm doing. Like, I've been serving, I've been sacrificing, I've been praying, and I'm not seeing anything. And Jesus is saying, yes and amen, you've been spending time with me. You've been realizing your identity with me more. You, you spent 30 minutes with me this morning. Yesterday, you only spent 15, but today you needed me. And, and we're not seeing what Jesus is doing. And so in the seasons, in the exertion, in the waiting, we have the text here that says there is a promise, but don't lose sight of the work that the Spirit is doing. It's like with my kids. I, I really like looking at pictures, but I really dislike looking at pictures. And that's confusing because it's depressing. Like if I watch videos of my kids, I'm like, oh, man, what happened to them? Like they were these chubby little itty-bitties. Like they... They behaved then. Like, they didn't talk back. It was so great. And then I get depressed. But in the day-to-day, I don't notice their transformation. Like, I'm like, gosh, they changed, they changed so much. This is crazy. I can't believe. Like, it was just yesterday. Like, I'm that, I'm, I feel like I'm that. Pr- don't blink because it's like they're off to college. Like, man, that's only six years for grace. And so in that day-to-day, we don't necessarily notice the transformation. But when we look back, maybe six months or 12 months, we say, Jesus that's insane what you've done. Like, I used to long for that. I wanted to go shopping. I spent hours on my phone. My phone, like Amazon was, like I knew the delivery driver. But now I don't, like I'd rather go and serve. I'd rather go and sacrifice. Like my heart isn't for those things. And if you guys spend all time on Amazon, I'm not trying to convict you. That's just an example, right? Like, I, no one told me, so don't, like. But, but there is an idolatry there. Like, it's really easy to be satisfied by the good things of this world. And so if we say, what are the hindrances? I want to go back to Luke, go back and reread what we just read. And I want us to understand, we've acknowledged that there is hope in this message of Jesus Christ. And there is this promise of of being like Jesus someday. We're in that in-between right now where there is both the spirit working, but also there is an adversary. And so in verse 12 of Luke chapter 8, Luke writes this. He says, the devil comes and takes away. So while the spirit is at work, we are naive if we think there is not an adversary who's trying to take that word away from us. There is a devil who wants me to repeat the same generational curses that he has gotten my grandfather and my father to repeat. And it is only by the grace of God, it is only by recognizing my sin, how that's been passed on to me, and pray for the transformation and acknowledge that, you know what? Satan doesn't want me to receive that. And so he tempts me. We can unpack a lot of different ways, and for a lot of us, it can be manifested in a lot of different ways. But we have to say, God, I need you to help me to recognize how Satan is trying to take your goodness away. Just like a farmer. 
There's weeds that try to hinder the, the harvest. There's raccoons that try to steal the fruit. There is an adversary at work. We're naive if we don't consider that. And so if we say yes to Jesus, if we long for transformation, then that is one of the first hindrances is that we have an adversary. And in verse 13, he gives us another example. He says, there are some who received it with joy. All right? They say yes to Jesus. Like, they're, they're, they're excited, like, yes and amen. We're like, hey, they really got it. This is going to be great. And then a couple months later, look what happens. In a time of testing, they fall away. And so Satan says, hey, if I can't just take that from you, guess what? You need new tires. Make you sick for a little bit. We'll have you lose your job. Make you sick and lose your job and have to buy new tires. And so there's this time of testing. And we're like, you know what? It was really good at first, but now it's difficult. The message must not be true. As if somehow the rains don't benefit the crop. And so people drift away. And so we're naive if we think that as we journey with Jesus, all we're going to experience is joy. One of the best things for crop is fertilizer. Fertilizer, like if you know where it comes from, like... <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, man, this is... So we don't like grief and suffering, but the reality is sometimes that's the best way to grow. And then we begin to see how Jesus is forcing us to be dependent upon him, how, like, how we actually need a Savior. We get to see God show up. We, we get to see the sun rise after our darkest hour and say, Jesus, thank you, yes and amen. And so we have an adversary who doesn't want us to receive the word. And if we receive the word, he says, you know what? I'll make it tough for you. But look what else he does. In verse 14, the other word is choked by the cares. Look at this, church. The riches and the pleasures of life. If I can't get you to suffer out of Jesus, maybe I can make you comfortable out of Jesus. You know what? When I took your money away, that didn't work, so how about I give you a little bit of, little bit of money in your pocket? And for the first time in your life, you have a savings account. And you're like, I don't know what it means. I don't know how it feels. Like, I got $1,000 in my savings account. This is crazy. This is incredible. Like, I don't need Jesus anymore because I've got money. Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's how it works. There's a part of me as a pastor, when things get good, I get concerned. Because when it's good, we don't need a savior. Chuck Swindoll is this incredible pastor, love his heart. I heard him say one time, for every 10 Christians that can make it through a season of suffering, there's one Christian who can make it through a season of blessing. And, and so if we're, not, if we're not wise to that, because when you're being blessed, it begins to fall upon the maturity of who you are. Like, I, I don't have to pray this morning because you know what? Hello, I, I'm, I got some money in my bank account. Like, I'm doing pretty good. I don't even have to go to work because I got savings for like six months. And so you begin to, it becomes a choice. It becomes a, a product of habit in a way. It's, it's like exercising. <laughs> Come on. Right? You're like, I don't have to do it because I'm doing good. I ain't doing it. And so if Satan can't just take it away, he tries to make times tough. And if that doesn't work, he makes times good. And, and these are things as Christians we need to be con concerned about. Like, Jesus, help me so that when it's tough, I stay dependent upon you. Help me when it's good, I trust in you. 
And, and look at what he says in verse 15. This is my heart for each of you, is that you hold the word of God fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit, look at this church, with patience. That's Jesus' heart for us, is that we would trust who he is and what he is, trust what he's done for us, trust the story he's writing in our life and say, in all seasons, both in the sunshine and when it rains, Jesus is my Savior. I'm going to rejoice in both of them because I know in this season of waiting that I am doing work, but also passively accepting the Spirit to work in my life. I'm trusting the Spirit to change and transform me. And there are seasons where you don't know if you're harvesting. Like in May, you don't, you're not guaranteed that harvest in the fall. You're hopeful for it. You believe it. You don't know you're harvesting until you actually harvest that something. And so sometimes the journey that Jesus has us on feels like it's all hope and all trust and all faith with little to no visible return on that. But Jesus is still at work in that. And what I'm saying, church, is that's primarily the season we'll find ourselves in is the waiting. But that's when you do the growing. You're not growing when you're producing fruit, you're done at that point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we're, at that point, we're, we're done. Now, we, we have pockets of transformation where we might say, you know what, I used to, I used to hold my money by myself, but now I actually I, I tithe. I used to not love my neighbor, but now I love my neighbor. And so there's these little slivers, if you will, or these fruits that are produced throughout our life that give us the hope to continue the journey. But while we're in that season of waiting, we are wise to depend upon the spirit and the body of Jesus Christ. Because his word produces what it says it produces. So here, here's what I want to do today, church. My heart for you, one first wasn't to speak that long, so I'm really kind of sorry I spoke that long. Um, we'll see if you remember it next week, right? We'll ask Matt. He's preaching next week. Matt, what did he preach on last week? My heart was for you to have some space to come before the face of God, to spend some time in prayer. To allow the spirit, like if he is at work in Jesus, how are you working? To, to press in, like what are the sins in my life I need to repent of? What, what pleasures have become an idol and now actually a savior for me? Where is Satan at work? Lord, would you help me to close the back door so that that's not a possibility? And so what I did is I asked Jim to lead us in a time of prayer. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of the way and let Jim come up here and I want to ask you guys to really lean into what the Spirit is doing, to engage in his work, because as a pastor and as your brother in Christ, I am saying that Jesus is active and alive and working in your life today.